Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to our friend Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. As Winnipeg gears up for a visit to Hamilton, what happened last time they went? Oh yeah, they won a great cup. And also, Jamie Thomas, Jets radio analyst, will stop by to preview the Young Stars Classic that gets going Friday in Penticton. That's all coming up on the podcast. We welcome in friend of the show, Ed Tate, BlueBombers.com, to help preview Saturday's football game in Hamilton. Ed, was uh, was did something fun happen the last time you were in Hamilton? <laughs> yeah, that came up a little bit today in the media availability, Christian. Yeah, the last time we were there was December 12th. And then the rest of that day was a bit of a blur for a lot of us <laughs> into the next day, too. Uh, yeah, that was a memorable trip. So that was the last time. You're right. It's a good point. And so gearing up for a Hamilton team this time around looks a lot different than the Hamilton team that could have and probably should have beat Winnipeg back on that date in December. Yeah, they had a chance, didn't they, a couple times. But, uh, you know, the bomber defense came up big a couple of times and Sergio Castillo kicks five field goals. Zach Calero shakes off a couple interceptions to be the MVP of that game. You mentioned Hamilton and their struggles this year. It's funny because... If you go back to 2019 when Winnipeg beat them in the Great Cup, if you remember, they were 15-3 and three that year. And then last year, I forget what their record was, but there was a slight decline, but still, you know, into the Great Cup, East Division champions. And now they're at 3-9. and nine. It's it's pretty significant, the drop-off in their record. And, and then meanwhile, the Bombers have gone the opposite direction from a team that finished third in the West in 2019 and won the Great Cup to, to first last year and cruising along here again in uh, at 12 and one eight and six the tie cats were last year go. so three and nine this year dane evans is expected to at least dress for saturday's game whether he starts or not we don't yet know but for the winnipeg blue bombers on the injury front drew Waltarski is out nick taylor is out malik clemens is out again but brandon alexander practiced with the first team defense this week do you have a sense that he'll play this week or do you think they might let him rest up over the bye and bring him back maybe in a couple of weeks time. I, yeah. I, I think he's going to suit up Christian. I'm not sure how much he's going to play, but <clears throat> this was the first time all year that they had made him available to the, to the media to speak the other day, which is telling too in itself. Um, and he's been, he took a lot of today's practice was closed to the media, but he took a lot of the first team reps at safety yesterday. So I think everything's trending towards him coming back and, it's an important return for all kinds of reasons, but uh, you mentioned the Nick Taylor thing. So the, the secondary has been in kind of in a state of flux in the last little while with Demirio Houston going down and now Nick Taylor. And, and that, you know, that's a big bonus to get the, the CFL's best safety back in the middle there patrolling the secondary. So kind of, uh, you know, you're, you're, maybe you're treading water a little bit with losing Nick Taylor, but getting Brandon Alexander back is huge. And Michael Couture has practiced for a few weeks now. He's been listed as questionable the last couple of games, has not suited up. You get the sense, too, that he might be in uniform Saturday? Yeah, he's getting closer every day. They've been kind of wrapping his one arm in this uh, almost like a cast, and he takes a lot of work with the number ones at center. You know, he's been doing a little bit of work after practice just to get used to the contact again. Putting Like, they don't practice in pads as much anymore, so... After practice, he'll get Jake Thomas or Casey Sales or somebody to, to practice against them just with full gear on so he can get used to that again. 
and I think he's close too. They they're not going to rush him back either because Chris Kolonkowski's done such a really good job at center there. Um, you know, and it's the same thing with Brandon Alexander with Nick Halleck playing so well there. So I, I think they're, you know, those guys could get eased back in the lineup, but it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they're listed as starters when the depth chart comes out tomorrow. I know the blue bombers are coming off a game where they had 54 points and had scored on nine of 10 drives. We know that's not going to be sustainable in the long term, but what kind of opposition do you think this Hamilton defense can pose? They're not the best in the league. I know they've got a reputation. They've allowed more points per game than everybody except uh, Edmonton this year. And so what kind of opposition is this defense going to be able to put up against Winnipeg's offense? Yeah, that's a great question. And and so here's part of the, the problem for Hamilton. When your offense stinks so badly as they have this year, they've been turning the ball over like crazy. They've got really inconsistent quarterback play. That means your defense trotted, is trotted out an awful lot, uh, is on the field a lot, is defending short fields an awful lot, and that's everything that's happened to, to uh, Hamilton this year. And you look at their front six, and it's pretty formidable. They've got really good guys in the secondary too. So if you were going to point at one area where Hamilton still looks the same to me, even though the m- numbers might not reflect it, it's on defense. Their front six is going to get after the Bombers on, on Saturday. That's really their only recipe to success in a lot of ways is to try to do uh, what has happened to them so much is to force some turnovers, give the ball back to their offense in good field position and try to get some magic on special teams. Um, you know, it sounds so crazy. They're three and nine. They still have a shot at getting into the playoffs. They're need, going to need to go on a run, but um, there's some talent on that team. And with them possibly getting Dane Evans back, that really changes things for them. You know, they can go on a little bit of a run here. And even if they got to, you know, eight wins, they might be hosting a playoff game. That's how bad the East division's been this year. So there's still something for them to play with, but I wouldn't be uh, looking down my nose too much at that defense because I think there's an awful lot of talent on there still. At the same time, the blue bomber offense has had its moments against the better teams in the league, putting up 54 against the Riders. They put up 43 in BC. They swept the Stampeders. But against mm-hmm. the lesser teams of the CFL, Ed, they have not looked great. They they just squeaked out a game in Toronto. They lost to Montreal after barely beating Montreal. And they didn't look great against Edmonton, didn't put up a lot of points against Ottawa or Hamilton earlier in the season. Is there merit to the idea that this team plays up and down to competition? Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure I've got a clear-cut answer, Christian, because, you know, you go back to the beginning of the year, and the Ottawa team that started the season with Jeremiah Mazzoli isn't the same team that we saw recently that was struggling at the quarterback position. Mazzoli makes them infinitely better, and it's also the start of the season. You know, Winnipeg's, you know, just trying to get, like everybody else, trying to get the lay of the land early in the year. Uh, You know, Montreal, Noel Thorpe had a great uh, game plan defensively, their defensive coordinator, and they brought a lot of pressure that gave Winnipeg some trouble. Um, you know, I, I, I know where you're going with this, and it's and I think it's really it's an interesting debate. You know, does Winnipeg play up to the competition or down to the competition? Uh, maybe we get a better answer to that on on Saturday. I just think that what we saw in the last few weeks after the loss to Montreal at home is more a reflection of where this team is going. And I, I, I think that, that what we saw from the offense last week 
it probably you're right. There's no way you're going to get 10 possessions in a game and, and score uh, seven touchdowns and two field goals and only punt once in the CFL. That's just not sustainable. But it might be kind of a snapshot of what we could see from this offense going forward, even without a guy like Drew Wallopersky. I think that they're just starting to find their gear a little bit on that side of the ball. So we'll see. But, you know, I, I, I guess until Winnipeg starts to, to light it up against teams like Hamilton, they've got Edmonton in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, they're going to finish the year with a couple of in a row against BC and who knows about what Vernon Adams might bring for their, to their offense. But, um, you know, it, it will be interesting to see what Winnipeg looks like on Saturday and whether they come back down or, or whether they look like what they did in the Banjo Bowl. Part of this, I have to admit, is that we're just looking for anything with a 12-1 and team to talk about and potentially criticize because it gets old when the team's just so good winning every game to try to figure out what is the problem with this team. Is there any weakness to this team? And so you're like, well, maybe they play down to opposition, but they still win all those games that I mentioned. Yeah, you know, so this is a, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? I mean, here's my take on this, Christian, and I, I, I know what you're saying. It's sort of the nature of the business in, our, in, in the media business is to look at something and, and find, a, well, you know, where they might be vulnerable, where are the weaknesses. The, the counter to that is, you know, there was some so many bad years for Winnipeg football before we got into this run. Why don't we just, uh, you know, crack open an adult beverage and enjoy it? I mean, it, they're 12-1. and one. They've won the last two great cups this you know, 20 years from now, people might be talking this about about this era as the glory years 2.0. You know, next to the, the the teams from the late 50s, early 60s. So, there's the you know, I, again, it's the nature of the beast that we'll look at the, a 12 and one team and say, yeah, but they gave up a kick return touchdown last week, or yeah, they have played down to the to the level of their competition. Yeah, they're they've got a lot of injuries, but 12 and one is 12 and one. Uh, two-time Grey Cup champions. I, I don't know about you, but uh, I've seen so much bad bomber football. I think it's time to enjoy some of the good, too. Well, you obviously have a longer history with the team than I do. I moved here in 2015 and didn't grow up watching a, a ton of Blue Bomber football. I was an Alouettes fan growing up in Ontario, just because my mom was. But living in the city as long as you have, covering the team as long as you have, you've seen a lot of bad stretches. And so I think it is important. You know, I'm not a fan of the team, so it's different than, than if I was a right. fan of the team listening at home and thinking, Christian, why can't you just enjoy this? Well, it's not my job to enjoy it. My job <laughs> is to cover the team. But at the same time, you have to recognize when something is, is good. And, and to be honest, not take it for granted because what we're seeing right now with this Winnipeg football club is potential historic greatness. You know, I was talking to someone about this today um, in the office. You know, the Edmonton dynasty from 78 to 82, five great cups in a row, is considered perhaps the best dynasty in CFL history. The Argos of 96, 97 went 15 and 3 both years. That was the Doug Flutie years. Mike O'Shea was on those teams. They just obliterated everybody. But if you can get to already have won two in a row and maybe have a shot at three in a row in this day and age with all these one-year contracts and so much movement in the off season, I think that's pretty remarkable. And, um, you, you know, that Edmonton team from the late seventies, early eighties, the free agency didn't exist like it does now. Players didn't bop around all over the place. So it was a lot easier to keep rosters together, just doing what they've done here 
you know, with a, the first Great Cup championship interrupted by a lost season and a you know a global pandemic. This is unprecedented, man. So, again, uh, you know, I'm, I, I I took history. I'm a history major from my university days, and so I, I have an appreciation for this stuff. And as you get older, you kind of have more things to lean on for context. And uh, I think what we're watching here is a pretty special. Uh, air in Blue Bomber history, even if it doesn't end up that they win again or a third championship at the end of November, even though it's trending that way. Well, they're the overwhelming favorite right now. If you go on any betting website, there's almost no value in picking the Bombers because <laughs> they're, they're a minus favorite. And it's September 15th, Ed, and they're the overwhelming favorite. Is it is it possible, or let me reword this, how much of it is the Bombers are amazing and how much of it is you look around the CFL and you're like, well, who's out there to push this team? Yeah, you know, so I think part of that is because the East Division is so weak, you start to wonder about who could challenge. But look, the, the roadblocks right now are in the West. I think that Calgary is scary, even though Winnipeg won all three. We know what, you know, the, the scores were tight in all three games. They were classic CFL games. And, you know, they've got Jake Mayer and Bowley by Mitchell and sort of in the bullpen right now. That's a scary football team to me. And, uh, you know, if Nathan Wark hadn't got hurt, we'd probably be looking at the BC Lions a lot differently. They might, uh, you know, Winnipeg might not have clinched anything if, if Nathan Wark hadn't got hurt. So that's a big if, of course. Teams all have to deal with injuries. But uh, I think the biggest challenges are in the West. And even, look, uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Winnipeg beat them by two in the Labor Day Classic and, and took advantage of a team that was devastated by stomach flu last week. They could be scary in the playoffs, too. They might go through the East and you know end up representing the East in the Grey Cup. So I still think there's challenges out there. To me, this, this Bomber team doesn't look as uh, uh, invincible, maybe, as the team that did last year. They're winning a lot of games. They're playing excellent football. Uh, last year, there were some games where Winnipeg just thumped everybody. And, you know, even when they rested people at the end of the year, got it figured out in the in the playoffs. Um, that was a special football team. So I think there's still challenges up there. I just, I guess I'm like the, I've been around Mike O'Shea too long. I bought into the, uh, the go one and all this week. I don't think there's anybody uh, on Chancellor Matheson Road that's, uh, you know, getting their, fingers sized up for another great cup ring or, or mapping out a great cup parade route just yet. Part of what makes them a great team is that they don't look too far ahead. Ed, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this and enjoy the game on Saturday. Appreciate it, Christian. Thanks a lot, man. And have a good day. That's Ed Tate. You can find his work at bluebombers.com. Let's turn our attention to hockey as the Winnipeg Jets young stars squad gets going with the young stars classic tomorrow in Penticton. Jamie Thomas Jets radio analyst is by to help preview the action. Jamie, how excited are you for some hockey of any kind? <laughs> you know what? I've been waiting so long now. And I mean, I think anybody that uh, has followed this team is, you know, you didn't make the playoffs. It's been a long, 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 long summer. So you're ready for something of any variety. So it was fun to watch the, the rookie skate yesterday. And yes, I've seen the, the big guys, the, the uh, real Jets uh, skating earlier this week and, and, and the like like that, but just to see these guys in action in this tournament that's uh, back in full force. The, the, the one time I covered in 2018, it was just the Canucks and the Jets that played, and then I went out to Bur- uh, sorry Belleville, Ontario, and it was the Ottawa. And 
Ottawa and uh, Montreal rookies playing against the Jets. So to see this Young Stars tournament in full force will be, will be a fantastic experience. So looking at the roster that is representing the Jets, you've got a few first-rounders mm-hmm. on there. Cole Perfetti, Brad Lambert, Chaz Lucius. Let's start with Perfetti, who has NHL yeah. experience. We don't often actually see players with NHL experience in the, the Young Stars Classic. Were you surprised to see right. him on the roster? Uh, no, because I think, you know, the, the games have to, he has to play some games and get uh, some skating underneath his belt. It's been so long for him, right? And, I mean, when Mark Shifley went down uh, in that game in Ottawa towards the end of the regular season, Cole Perfetti was already injured and missed out on, a, a you know, probably a great opportunity to be the 1A or 1B centerman for the Jets to close out the season. So he's got to get some games under his belt, and that clearly is the intention by the Jets didn't. You know, could have played for Canada at the World Juniors in Edmonton in the summertime, but this is probably a better idea uh, to stay closer to home and, and, and stick with the big club or within the organization. So looking really, and he said it as well, looking forward to get some games under his belt and to get to know a lot of the prospects that will likely be with him, you know, sooner rather than later in some instances. I mean, if you're talking about Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert right down the road here, so this is probably going to be the core for hopefully some, if they pan out, you know, this is going to be the core of the Winnipeg Jets for years to come and, Cole Perfetti's looking forward to that. How did they look at the skate yesterday? Uh, pretty good. Like, I, I mean, I'd heard and, you know, talking with the Jets after the draft that Brad Lambert, they felt had was the best skater in the draft. So see him to see him up close, um, you know, and to see that lightning quick speed that he has in those quick hands uh, was fantastic. And then they skated here today again. Um, you know, Henry Neekin and I didn't get a chance to watch him with the Moose last year. Big kid, really good in tight. Daniel Torgerson, you know, another big, huge forward the Jets have drafted uh, from Sweden. Of course, played for the Swedes at the World Juniors in Edmonton in the summer as well. And, you know, just to see these guys up close and personal for the first time is, 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 is great. Um, but today, they had a long journey, right? It was the trip. Was, there's no direct flights to Kelowna, obviously. And uh, you fly to Calgary, go to Kelowna, and then bus to Penticton. So, Mark Morrison and the coaching staff felt it was important that they got to practice underneath their belts before uh, their morning skate tomorrow before they take on the Edmonton Oilers rookies uh, tomorrow night. So when you're covering a game like that, what mm-hmm. are you as an analyst looking to see? Okay, well, I, I want to see, like, where's Cole Perfetti right now? I mean, it's been a long time since he's played a game. Same thing with Chaz Lucius, right? He didn't get to finish this year. Uh, down in the NCAA, got hurt, uh, had ankle surgery, finished himself off, couldn't play at the World Juniors either. So he, you want to see where they fit in. And, of course, uh, and as I talked about Brad Lambert, I've heard all these great things about him. You know, I had a tough year in Finland this year um, after being number – I think he was number five on Bob McKenzie's, you know, preseason draft list last year. So clearly there is the skill and the ability to, to do great things. Um, so I, I want to see where these guys are fitting in. And then, of course, a, a big kid like Tyrell Bauer. I know he's a seventh-round pick of the Jets. Um, kid from Cochrane, Alberta, captain the Seattle Thunderbirds to the Western Hockey League final last year. Uh, I want to see how he fits in. And then, of course, uh, Greg Morales had a great year with the Manitoba Moose. He's here as well. So I want to see uh, where he's picking. He picked up. He had some great opportunities because of all the call-ups for the Winnipeg Jets last year. So it moved up and down the lineup quite a bit with uh, for Mark Morrison's Manitoba Moose. So just to see where these guys are. And I haven't had a chance to see Arp at home either. Um, so, you know, big kid and clearly six foot four and lots to work with. And Dominic DiVincentis, who was the seventh-round pick of the Jets this year too. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing if he gets a game in. So just basically seeing where these – if what you've heard about them translates on the ice against their peers. Um, and it probably what's going to be a very intense tournament, right? You have 
four four groups of rookies trying to prove themselves ahead of main camp. So that's that's what I'll be looking for over this weekend. Do wins and losses matter? I don't I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, clearly you you don't come to this tournament to win it. But Mark Morrison said yesterday they want to be the most competitive team. Like just never never give up. Work hard every every night or I guess day it depends how you want to look at it, what time zone you're sitting in right now. Um, but I, I don't think they're sitting there going, if they lose a game, we're going to be, you know, it's going to be devastating. It's just how these guys work and play together. And um, that's, that's, I think, was the most important thing and how they adapt to, you know, being playing with guys they haven't played a whole lot with that they will likely play a bunch with uh, down the road here, uh, hopefully with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, crossing your fingers that that all works out. And uh, that I think that's more important is how they fit in and how they adapt to this this tournament as it moves along. So have you done any scouting on the opposition? <laughs> I, ha- I have. Like, I got here. We got here. Vancouver was just wrapping up their practice. So it's, uh, I got to see uh, Daniel and Henrik Sedin were on the ice. They're part of clearly the Canucks organization. The Oilers were skating at the exact, uh, just come off the ice when we got here. And Calgary was going on the ice exactly the same time as the Jets. So I unfortunately have not had a chance to check out the other prospects, but I'll be, uh, Front and center, looking to see how the Oilers' prospects look tomorrow uh, afternoon. As I think about the time zones here and stuff like that, but uh, yes, tomorrow afternoon against the Edmonton Oilers. And then looking ahead to training camp, how yeah. much do you think this experience helps the younger players, who you know probably aren't going to make the the Jets this year, but could right. down the road? How much do you think this youngster's experience helps set them up for training camp? I think it's great, right? I don't think we can put into words probably what it means to these guys when they roll into the dressing room and they put on the gestures. Yes, it's the rookie tournament, but they still are going through the you know professional treatment, you know, breakfast uh, all taken care of for them, lunches and all that stuff. You roll into the rink on the bus, you put on the Jets jersey, and hopefully a franchise you're hopefully going to play for for a very long time. And I think that gets them going in an intense tournament and the the competition being what it is, I think it's very important, especially again, going back to Cole Perfetti and uh, Brad Lambert hasn't, you know, didn't really have the world junior that he wanted. So he wants to, he has something to prove. So I think it just gets them going. And yes, you know, it's pretty difficult to think of where everyone here is going to fit in with the jets because it seems like the, the main roster is, is pretty much filled out at this point, but man, like how they're, they're going to get themselves going for the American hockey league season. Is Brad Lambert going to play at the American hockey league or is he going to go play in the Western hockey league? You know, same thing with Chaz Lucius. Um, it's just a really good starting point for them to get uh, riled up before main camp and then wherever they're going to end up uh, as, as main camp rolls on. And then looking at main camp then, mm-hmm. for you, how excited are you to get back into things? Oh, my gosh. Aren't you, buddy? Like, I just, I feel, yeah. I feel, I feel like there's so many guys on the Jets roster that didn't have a, a year that they would like and I think they had a year they they'd like to forget. So I just, you know, we kind of heard consistently throughout the summer and then right before the season ended about how, you know, some guys got to look in the mirror. They didn't have the year they wanted. They got a chip on their shoulder. I I, I just want to see how this all pans out and who doesn't want to see where Cole, per, Cole Perfetti fits in, right? How does Sam Gagne fit into the Jets' plans? There's just so many, you know, how does Morgan Barron go with his first full year as a, as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. And then, of course, all the other guys, uh, Blake Wheeler, how does Mark Shifley bounce back? How do Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor build off a very successful year together, especially since 
PLD went down to Michigan to skate and work out with Kyle uh, Connor this summer. So, um, you know, and the back end, um, how does that, where's Logan Stanley and Dylan Sandberg fit in with one another. So um, that, that part, I can't wait. And then, you know, clearly David Riddick is here to hopefully play at least 20 games. If you know, that's, that's the way the plan works out with all, all these back to back, but buddy, at least we're, we're talking about the jets again in a new light, moving on from last year. I know the first day of camp will be about a little bit about last year, but now we can just start moving away from what was an extremely disappointing year for the Winnipeg Jets organization. Now, we know you're a big Miami Dolphins fan. They (laughs) beat the Patriots in week one. They often beat the Patriots when they play in Miami. How are you feeling about the season this year? You a big Tua guy? I I am, and I still think they got to like release the hounds a little bit more here. I still think they're whole, you know, they've got them in the bubble wrap, and they're not really releasing, you know, opening up the playbook enough here. But you know, I don't know what Bill Belichick is doing in New England right now. It's to me, it's kind of stunning uh, to to watch what they. I I don't think you know, we can't put into words what Tom Brady meant to the organization, but did he really mean that much? And what is Bill Belichick doing there? But as for the Dolphins, Buffalo is clearly the path, right? There's you know, you Tom Brady leaves the division, and all of a sudden Josh Allen rolls in, and that changes, so that makes it even tougher. But I, I do believe in Tua. Um, I think my, Mike is the right coach for them. Uh, you'll open up, and he's very creative with his play calling, as we saw in San Francisco. Uh, you got a lot of weapons there. You've improved the offensive line, so now it's just you have to go out and do it. And Baltimore will provide a different challenge and much more of a challenge because I will take Lamar Jackson any day over top of Mac Jones. Um, so that, that'll be uh, extremely challenging for the Dolphins. But I, I, I believe they have a playoff year in them. Uh, but it's not I, with Josh Allen and the way Buffalo looked on opening night against the Los Angeles Rams. I just, it, it'll be a wild card for the Miami Dolphins this year. Yeah, at least you're in the playoffs, though. Yeah, yeah, playoffs are good. I mean, it's just, they, you, you follow certain organizations for a lifetime and you just expect the worst after a while. And it's kind of tiring in some ways, but it looks like they've kind of taken a step in the right direction. But I, you know, the Miami dolphins aren't the only, you know, organization that's having a tough time getting back to their winning ways, but it was sure it would be nice to get this thing rolling. Cause after so many years of listening to, Oh, this is the year, this is the year. Any football fan or any professional sports fan has had this. And um, I think this, this is, to have a conversation about them being a playoff team would be nice. I'm a Vikings fan, Jamie. You don't have to tell yeah. me twice, okay? Yeah. Listen, when you look how much different Kirk Cousins look when you have an offensive-minded coach. Uh, that's what I always say. If you have the weapons yeah. and you have these people, when you have a defensive-minded coach, it's the wrong idea. Like that's that's to me. That's I think that's what Brian Flores was with the Dolphins. Wrong idea. Wrong wrong script. Everything like that. So if you if you're looking to be an offensive team, have an offensive head coach. That's the only way to me for if that's what you're looking to do. And Kirk Cousins looked like a different quarterback the other day in week one. I know it's one week, and I know Vikings fans will tell me that's not the way it goes, but I, I believe that there's going to be a much better team offensively in Minnesota this year than we've seen in years past. Here's hoping. Jamie Thomas, appreciate your time, and we'll uh, be talking, talking to you a lot over the next little bit. Yeah. All right, my man. We'll talk to you uh, next week. But, well, it's been face-to-face, but I'll talk to you a little bit later this weekend. Awesome. That's Jamie Thomas, Jets radio analyst, the Penticton Young Stars Classic gets underway tomorrow, 6 o'clock. The action streaming live on the Jets website. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. 
Until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. Place.